This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers, and navigating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Pay Phillips, and with me in his den of iniquity is <laughs> Jim Daly. Gotta stop calling it that. <laughs> it's just my cabin, uh, which is still a bit of a mess, although we're sort of getting there with it. Maybe, maybe den of iniquity sounds cooler. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it yet. Maybe I should be. Should I, should I be embracing that? I was just thinking Den of Iniquity might be quite a good band name. Uh, there must have been a band already. Probably is, yeah, yeah. Use that, surely. I'm um, doing some um, music with a few friends, and we've been trying to come up with a band, mate, band name, and it's one of the hardest things, coming up with a cool band name. I've actually yeah, resorted to um, going on band name generators to find Oh, no. Has, has anything good come up on, no. on the generator? No. Has anything good come up in the group? Um, I think at the moment we're called The Digital Stupid. I quite like. I actually quite like that. Yeah. I actually quite like. I think if you can't think of a cool one, just just do a yeah. like a ridiculous one like that, and then no one can say what you're trying to be cool. You're like, yeah, we're not. to be we're fair, some stupid. yeah, exactly. And to be fair, some of the lyrics are quite amusing. Like they're sort of, you know, oh, that's cool. funny. So yeah, uh, I quite like that. Anything else uh, name wise working, or is that is that the main one? Uh, the shits was one I came up with. <laughs> um, also good. Also good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, but but we're not a punk band. I think that, that feels like a punk it's band. It's punk, though, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's punky. So yeah. and we're not really very punky. So I think yeah, that's not going to be <laughs> not going to fly. It's it sounds like a sort of seventies London yeah. punk band. Oi oi oi! We're the shits. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had one hit, one hit yeah. in like nineteen seventy three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah the shits would have yeah, be like a three chord punk song basically very. Raw. Yeah, yeah. anti-establishment, yeah. and uh, and you never heard from them again. Yeah, we'd all have funny names like Sneaky Pete and um, <laughs> yeah. Arnold Shit to be. <laughs> yeah, Arnold Shit is the singer. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Arnold shits in the shits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then and then you've yeah, <laughs> it's like Cliff Richard in the shadows. Um, yeah, I quite like the shits. Yeah, I quite think Arnold it's, shits. Arnold, Arnold shits and, and his and his and his trio of shits. Uh, I think you might have actually actually landed on something quite good. Yeah. There. Although I think digital stupid's quite good actually. Yeah. Well, that's... thank you. Yeah, I think that's what we'll probably plump for for the moment. Anyway, feels more modern, um, Yeah. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not too. I'm not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, it's very cold here. It was snowing here this morning. Or snowing, of snowing. Yeah, sort of sleet. Oh. Snow. It's settling though. So I guess that's snow, isn't it? It's been absolutely um, hammering down with rain. I got so wet. Um, yeah, to town, and then um, the sun's out now, though. So you know, well, the, it has stopped here now, and the sun has come out. But it, um, it's very cold. It's yeah, very cold here. Um, well, moment. but yeah, apart from that, winter, um, aren't we? Ten- yeah, I say technically, yeah, it's mm. Feb- Feb- yeah, February is winter, isn't it? Um, yeah, we are. Yeah, I guess we're heading towards the end of it, aren't we? We're we sort are, of yeah. creeping towards normal, normal weather. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not too bad here. We're uh, we're okay. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Yeah, I'm very excited about our episode today because we had a really great chat um, with a wonderful actress called Florence Hall, uh, who people might have seen in, uh, well, you know her very well from the Princess Switch movies. There's there's three of them, is that correct? Yes, this is a Netflix series. This is Netflix versions of doing Hallmark Christmas movies Mm. that I know I've talked about before on the podcast. And... uh, they've got um florence is in them obviously vanessa hutchins is sort of the 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 lead in in all of them i think i can't even remember what the first one's like but by the third one there's there's a heist yeah there's a heist and they're trying to steal back some sort of crown jewels and stuff it's all very fun and silly and doesn't take itself seriously Mm. and it is ideal really sort of christmasy christmasy movies um so yeah so i was very excited that florence was coming on because i'm a big fan of those of those kind of series of movies um but she's a very interesting person because mm. it was a very sort of honest chat this 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 week about sort of um, acting in particular, but creativity and the, and the flow of creativity and having another job and mm. Florence has another job that keeps her going in between um, in between gigs, but it's a job that she really enjoys. And so her journey of getting to that was interesting and sort of talk about really the sort of transience of creativity. So it was a very honest chat and a very it's very interesting one. Yeah, and I think she she mentioned it as well that she you know thinks it's important to talk about these things. And I think you know I, I've sort of yeah um, reiterated that because I think it's great because there'll be people listening here who think right you know if you're going to be an actor or a writer or a stand up whatever it might be. Um, that you have to just solely do that one thing. And if you're not doing that one thing, then you're not complete in some way. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, as creatives, and I think as freelance creatives and a lot of freelance creators I know are, are diversifying in what they're doing because, well, we've all got bills to pay to start with. But also I think it's good to sort of do other things as well anyway. I think to just sort of pigeonhole yourself in one particular um, sphere, if creatively, I think is... Um, it's not always the best for you. Yeah, I think in a way it maybe it sort of means you're coming to your creative job fresher, maybe. Yeah. If you have been able to then concentrate. Otherwise, you just I find I sort of I'm constantly thinking about my creative jobs and like I never really have a minute off from thinking mm. about them or planning them or working them or doing admin or doing them or and actually if you've got something that is a bit a bit different. Um, but you still love it, then you get the enjoyment of doing something else you love. You get money for it, and then you sort of return to your creative endeavours refreshed, I guess, in a way. So I think it's actually a really sort of a good way of balancing out your creative life, actually. And it's interesting to hear someone like Florence, who's been in these huge projects 
talk about that i find yeah. it really refreshing yeah really refreshing and um yeah she's just lovely company she's just a really lovely person and uh, really enjoyed talking to her so yeah thank you florence for coming on hope everyone listens uh who's listening will enjoy it too um i've got i'm sure they will yeah i've got uh, some messages here on instagram we don't normally read out uh, messages from instagram but we've had such a lot of messages about tim downey's episode which people really seem to enjoy an awful lot i've got one here from lynn robinson she says as a patron so she's obviously one of our patrons legend who we, who we love very yes much. thank um, you lynn she said i had a sneaky early listen yesterday very entertaining episode i've said it before tim what a lovely guy i can heartily agree with that um yep. also thanks for all the film and book recommendations and obviously if you are a patreon this isn't a sly way of just introducing people to the <laughs> patreon but if you are you get to hear lots of amazing recommendations for tim because that was in the extra content so that was really lovely and i've got another one i'd like to read jim because we don't often read them from instagram so it's nice to get no. some messages it's really gone down well this episode um tim's obviously got a very loyal fan base on on instagram uh for, this is from aloha sasenak and he says I, I love listening to you reading stories even better is listening to you recall your life adventures we'll need to give this a listen so he's someone who's obviously hasn't listened to it yet but is a big fan of tim and hopefully has given us a listen and enjoyed the episode those are great messages i mean yeah, tim's clearly got a very loyal and lovely army of followers as we do on blank actually so that's nice so i'm sure they'll overlap and hopefully uh us and tim will get some more lovely followers from the other side um wouldn't that be nice and yeah and, like subscribe right <laughs> like please like and subscribe um and uh lynn's message uh, lynn does message us quite a lot actually and and does pop up on the patreon page uh, such a lovely person and a, a loyal patron for us and and yes if you if you are into your books and your movies then do sign up to the patron because the extra content for tim's episode is him doing some fantastic, oh, fantastic recommendations yeah. so well worth it that is available at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash blank podcast and you get extra content on all our episodes including this one as well so it's, it's definitely worth um Mike. signing up for i will just quickly read out a tweet if possible because mm. that's where we normally do our well, we should do instagram more often that was really good actually yeah um but our, where we do, normally do our, our shout outs and this is from cool cat well, yeah, and this is again yeah, yeah. um on the tim downey episode says what a lovely chat i love how you took your life experiences with dyslexia and bullying to quote unquote flip the script and create oh, I've done that your before and it's okay humor it does turn up at some point it sort of turns up in the ether well, it's a very lovely yeah. message and and yeah that was a very sort of strong <laughs> theme of the podcast actually and um i, I think a lot of people will benefit and, and enjoy that part of t- tim talking about his life like that because it's very honest and open but it was a very positive as uh, kat says a flip on it yeah really lovely thank you for all those messages it really means a lot to hear them and you can obviously message us on instagram and twitter and facebook at blank pod but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll repeat that at the end um, we will. yeah yeah anyway we should probably dive in we've been talking enough <laughs> let's do it yeah. uh, this is the fantastic uh, florence hall on the blank podcast Lovely to meet you, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. No, it's a real pleasure. Um, we we kind of start, I guess, at the beginning of the, your journey, I suppose. Um, am I right in thinking you're from London originally? I know you live in London now. I'm from Cambridge, mostly. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I've been living in London for 
16, 17 years or so. Okay, so quite yeah. a while. Yeah, this feels like home for sure. What was what was growing up in Cambridge like? I mean, it was very pleasant. It was really just fine and pleasant and straightforward and uneventful. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, I grew up in a... I grew up in a village. I went to just the school up the road and, um, you know, went into, I'd go into Cambridge on the weekends to do sort of, you know, walk around the shopping centre in the way that you do when there's nothing else to do. Um, and, and, and it was absolutely lovely. Like, um, all my sort of made most of my friends through youth theatre, through sort of Saturday youth theatre classes. So we'd all quite kind of, meet up mm. at the weekends and do that but it's yeah I <laughs> have I don't well, feel very early, connected early to it so I don't that's, well, that's mm. have an urge to move back there at any point <laughs> um I in fact don't know my way around town really <laughs> I even noticed so yeah I'm not um I don't feel tribal about no, the place no, that I, totally cool. I feel much more connected to London and kind of the life that I've made here it's funny isn't it because <laughs> i've got friends i live in the same town i've lived in my entire life on the south coast i've never had any inclination to leave um at all but i do know lots of people okay. that have left yeah. and, and were desperate we're absolutely desperate to go yeah so yeah I, ne- I i've never felt desire to go out but obviously i know friends that that did and moved away and and some of them have come back you know once they've started families and stuff yeah and, you know, um, there is that inclination to return to something familiar. But it's interesting that you've never had that pull. You've always, you know... No, and I think because, I'm, because I made my friends, like my my oldest and best friends who I'm still, you know, really close with now, and because we all met through youth theatre and things like that, we all moved to London to either go to drama school or university or eventually people moved here to have their careers. So... When I go back home, I go to my mum and dad's and they live in a village um, and there's no one there anymore. Mm, Um, People are moving away, but like people are moving to Bristol, Leeds, like needing to get out of London for all the obvious reasons. But no, no one's gone. No one's gone back to Cambridge. I think it's um, it's maybe not. it, It maybe doesn't appeal to people who are following a creative path it's i find it a mm. bit samey i find it a bit um i'm just slagging off my hometown but do you know what i mean it's sort of <laughs> no. if i were to move i'd move to bristol as well because i love bristol i love the creativity i love the diversity i love the, yeah. the energy well, i wondered if as it's because it's obviously a big university town it's like maybe there's more academics that go there and stuff a bit like oxford i suppose yes no few people that live in oxford and it's very much the same a lot of academics kind of live there yeah not yeah necessarily creative people which is interesting that you know and like you say bristol is very creative and and um you know it's a bit like brighton in a, in a lot yeah. of ways but yeah it's interesting yeah that's interesting yeah. that that's that's a thing yeah definitely yeah weird that sort of we the things we do in our lives and the way we are programmed whether it is more creative or academic or whatever we sort of we all sort of then swarm towards each other there's this like yeah. pull isn't there to be near yeah. creative people or be near maths people i don't know i'm not in that world <laughs> yeah. but, you know what i mean like i've got to be oh this guy's got a great abacus i really got to like go yeah. near him but we do have this i think maybe it's human nature mixed with 
who you are makes you want to be near people that kind of yeah, think the definitely. same way as you but I do also love I you know I love it when I've got the friends that aren't in our world I think there was a point where I was like the only people I'm hanging out with are other actors and this is <laughs> not necessarily the most positive environment to be in or the most interesting um so I do sort of love that over the years I'd, I've now developed a really great bunch of friends that do all sorts of other things um and yeah you, you're not just um <laughs> you're not just talking about work the whole time which is nice <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I get envious of my other friends that have sort of regular, steady jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I think, How has he managed to afford that? He has uh, a nine-to-five. Uh, okay. He has yeah. a job. He has a job. Yeah. He has, he has a pension. <laughs> got gotcha. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. So, yeah, I do sort of quite often look at my mates and think, should I just be doing, like, uh, something straightforward? Yeah. But I don't know. I think, I think I'd probably... I'd probably... You'd be really unhappy, probably. Yeah, I think I would. I think the the desire to be doing creative stuff would still be there. Like that itch would still be there, and I still want to scratch it. And it yeah. would, I, I wouldn't be able to because I'd be having the the full time job or the nine to five or, and those responsibilities. Totally. But that is always, yeah. That 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 question is always there in my head. I guess. Yeah, I think after so many years of being in in charge of kind of your own work and your own schedule, have somebody say, no, no, you have to sit there from nine yeah. until six, and you have. And you have to do it in that time. You have to do it now. And you can't just go on holiday because you feel like it. You know, you can only take <laughs> 20 days off or whatever it is. I just, I don't think I'd be able to adapt to that anymore. I'm just, I'm just too used to kind of sort of carving my own year out as it kind of suits me. But yeah, yeah I, like you say, having no pension and no savings. And, yeah. and I was with I you there and forgetting that, trying to put that out. Yeah. I think you the word holiday. I was like, holiday? What's a holiday? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm aware a of that A UK holiday right now. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been abroad yeah. for a while. Well, I'm doing a gig in Bogner tonight. So that's basically like a, an evening holiday. That's I'm definitely going to a any, holiday. Yeah. It's a night that, out. It's a night yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, that counts. Yeah. That definitely counts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how what are you like actually just get a bit deep but what are you like in those downtimes? are you are you okay or are you itching for the next job yeah I've it's been a journey so I've I left drama school in 2009 so I've it took me many years to work out how to cope in those times and you know I've always had to work I've always had to have another job particularly as for the first seven or eight years of my career I was mostly doing theatre which mm. you know is so badly paid that I'd often be doing my other job whilst I was also doing my play in the evenings and you know yeah. all of that so but those jobs tended to be like um you know stuff that you can easily pick up and put down again so the inevitable catering telemarketing that sort of stuff um and when I was doing that I I found, yeah, I found it really, really hard. I found it quite, I felt like I was like my soul sucked out of me. Mm. Um, and therefore I would get quite um, fixated on my auditions and quite fixated on needing to get out there, needing to get, if I can just get this job, then everything will be okay kind of mentality. Mm. Um, but as the years have gone on and you kind of get used to the ebbs and flows of it, I just realised I needed to, do something better with my time when I wasn't acting. So mm. in 2016-17, I trained to be a massage therapist. And so now when I'm not acting, I do that. And it's 
flexible and it's incredibly rewarding. I love it. It's active. I'm not very good at sitting still. So I like, I like moving. Um, and that's, it's completely changed my life doing that. You know, I think going to drama school was one of the best decisions I've made very closely followed by training to be a massage therapist. And yeah, that kind of, I wake up in the morning and I'm happy to go to work. And I think that's one of, that's sort of all you can ask yeah, for. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And I do, you know, I do sort of start to itch for if it's been a while for the acting work. And that is my first love. And that is, you know, always will be my priority. But it's so nice not to have that desperation of like, I've got to get mm. out of here. What am I doing with my life feeling? Which, oh, it's so suffocating. And it's, you know it's it, it doesn't it doesn't lead to you doing your best work when you do get your auditions I mean you do go in for your meetings you know that sort of mad wild eyes of like I've just you know I've just finished a nine-hour shift in a call center and now I'm in an audition and um, my brain yeah. is scrambled eggs and yeah. and I just need this job you know it's not very appealing to people who are trying to employ you <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy. But that isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilise before things get worse, and it can help you avoid those lows. And we've been taught that mental health shouldn't be a part of normal life, but that's wrong too. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor and nutrition, we should be focusing on our minds just as much. And Giles, I can say, and I've, I've, we said before, before on the podcast, talked about therapy and counselling. It comes up quite a lot. Mm. Um, I found counselling incredibly helpful um, for sort of different stages of my life, different periods. Sometimes when things are getting a bit on top of me, I book in to see my counsellor. I might see her for a couple of weeks, a couple of months or longer. And then I find a bit of equilibrium. And then when things are tough again, I sort of go back to it. So it's something that you can utilise as and when you need it, but crucially, it's as early as possible, I guess. I remember many years ago, I did an anxiety uh, counselling course, and it was really, really helpful. But it's not always easy to get appointments from doctors. We live in a very fast-paced world, and, you know, therapy is sometimes hard to get to. So I think with better help, you've got a perfect solution to that and something you can dive into very, very quickly. Absolutely. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Blank Pod listeners can now get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash blank. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash blank. Well, it's a sort of high functioning anxiety sort of level of stress almost, isn't it? Where you're not really giving your best self or at your best self. But I'm glad you found that that other thing because I think that's really important and I think it you know, life's a balance. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. It's, it's finding balance between the things you want to do, the things you can do, and making all that work. But 
I'm I'm glad you found that other thing that that can keep you going, but also brings you joy. How yeah. long did you know you wanted to do that? Because I think there's probably a lot of people listening in creative industries who maybe are looking for that extra thing, or maybe they do know they want to do it, but they haven't taken the leap yet to do it, or still looking for that extra thing to keep them going alongside their creativity. How how quickly did you know that's what you wanted to do? I I knew for quite a few years before I finally did it. I think, and I kind of, I kind of think that's okay because I really believe that you have to be a bit deluded to pursue a career in the arts. Like you've got to believe yeah, yeah. that you're going to make it. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, you know, yeah. it's going to be a really difficult uh, process. So I would think about doing it and then I'd get, you know, like I got a really nice, play at the national and because in my head I was like it's the national that's like you've you've made it that's life goals is to go to the national so I was like cool well I probably don't have to do it then because presumably I'll get more acting work after this and then you finish and then three weeks later you look at your bank balance and you're like oh (laughs) 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 um (laughs) so you know creatively fulfilled but absolutely broke um (laughs) So it took me quite a few cycles of thinking, of like researching it, finding the place, you know, working out whether I could do it or not, and then and then just taking the plunge. So yeah, it would have been, I think it was 2017 that I trained, so seven, eight years out, out of drama school before I did it. And then it was probably, it was only really in 2019 that I properly found the places that I would work where they understood that I would disappear and come back again. And for some reason, we're okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange, but I'm very grateful to, you know, to their flexibility. Um, So it's really difficult because I do sometimes, when people ask me about, you know, what advice I could give them, one of my things is to find another job that you find rewarding. But equally, I think you've got to go through that process of being like, no, 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 I've just got to, I don't want to be at all distracted. I'm going to get this audition. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to earn all my money off acting. You've you've also got to have that phase and then get to a point where you realise if, you know, if you get to that point where you realise it's potentially you could be happier (laughs) than, (laughs) than, than to start to look into it. But maybe, yeah, just to just to keep your eye out for things that other people are doing where you think, oh, God, that actually sounds quite fun and satisfying or creative in some way. And to kind of not, yeah, just to keep your options open with that. And and I think I think the more that the actors out there talk about the fact that they have other jobs, the more it helps. I think it's it's easy to... I mean, I, I was away for about 10 months from my clinic um, which is the longest I've been away. And I came back and one of my regular clients had popped in. It's a chiropractic clinic. So they'd come in for a treat, uh, chiropractic treatment and they went, oh, oh, I thought, I thought you were being an actress. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> I am. This is it. Yeah, yeah, Live, exactly. Live action, being an actress. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> um, and it's just sort of like, of course, you know, people don't, uh, I think people can get a bit, embarrassed about saying they have other forms yeah. of income um and i understand that and i battle with it sort of how much to talk about it how much not to 
But I also know how helpful it is to know the reality of what other people are going through and, you know, how they've how they can stay in the game and stay happy. Yeah, it's really great to hear. And I think it is really important to know that. I think as creatives, I think one, it's really useful to do something else anyway. I think just to be, to ground you in some way uh, and also find something that's fulfilling to you. Um, Also, yeah, monetarily it it helps. And I think it keeps you on your toes a little bit. I mean, I I do various different things. You know, I'm mainly a writer, but I, you know, I'd obviously do podcasting and then I do other bits and bobs. I think it's really useful to have different strings to your bow. Totally. um, uh, Which is really good. But also, you're not the first actor that's come on and, and said that. And actually, it's really refreshing, I think. I think for people listening who are who are probably toying with like what, what they should do if they're not quite getting there. I think it is really, really comforting to hear that, you know, there are other options and you can still do the thing that you really want to do, which is, you know, that, that creative pursuit, but you've got a backup or or something else that not, I don't mean that in a bad way, like being a negative thing, being a backup, but just something that's there in the background that you can rely on to a certain extent. And it just supplements it. It just allows you to do it. You know, I feel like this facilitates me to continue to be an actor rather than takes me away from it yeah 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 because i think in a way like you it's so easy to compare yourself to other people and look at other people and think they're acting all the time or they're or they're doing so many gigs they're gigging doing to stand up and stuff but actually the reality is they are supplementing that with other income or, or totally. their balance in their life like it's, mm. i think in a way <coughs> as creators we're kind of sold a lie a little bit when you start out that you think it is just going to be this fan, mm. this fantastic all action um, yeah. oh, not my, I've got my headphones off. That's how passionate I'm getting about this. Um, <laughs> nine to, you know, a full-time thing. And it's not like... The, and it might be at times. I've had a couple of years where comedy was full-time. And then... And again, like you thought, cracked it. Um, I was, and then... <laughs> and then the next year wasn't. And it's just like, oh, I, it is transient. It flows. And like... And that's yeah. okay. That's part of the job. And I think as well, people that aren't creatives are kind of sold that lie as well. Because they think... Or... or I'm, I'm I'm generalizing now, but they may think that it is like that, and you get your big break, and you go on Britain's Got Talent, or whatever. And, and a number of times people have said to me, "You got to go on Britain's Got Talent." I'm not fucking going on Britain's Got Talent. Um, and they think, <laughs> don't sell although out. I did, don't I, sell did out once, I did once audition for it, and it was one of the worst auditions of my entire life. Um, and but again, this like, is they, exclusive. This oh, is was, yeah. I want to hear about that. <laughs> it was so bad. It was just like three. Or did four, you go in front of the judges? No, it's just like pre. You have to do like like pre yeah, pre, pre, pre audition things, auditions, and it was yeah. like a stand up. Uh, it's at the Hen and Chickens in Islington, and there was just like five producers in the audience, and maybe two or three members of the public, and they just couldn't. I think all the acts struggled, but it was just like it was the least receptive audience ever. Like it wasn't. You knew it was a competition, so you need what you needed was a really up for it audience, and it was it was yeah. like trying to do sort of like just like the worst sort of club night on a Friday night, like stag days oh. and stuff. It was just it was horrible. Um, and I don't think I don't know if anyone from that audition got through, but um, anyway, that was uh, a horrible experience. Um, but I think, sorry to sidetrack, I think, oh God, I hope the kick tonight goes better than that. Um, I think that, that other people that aren't in creative industries think it is like that as well. I think you've yeah. made it and you're going to be doing it and mm. that's it and you're going to be on TV and stuff. And But even that, it is, life flows and creativity flows. And mm. so nothing is ever sort of set. And, it, and just because you're working now doesn't mean you will be for however many years. But just because you're not working now doesn't mean that you won't be in two, three, four, five years' time Absolutely. as well. So it's very difficult to get your mind around that and that mindset from the positive and negative side of it as well. Have I made sense there at all? Because I feel a- like I've just rambled absolutely. for a bit. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree. 
There's a bit in um, The Office, isn't there, where Dawn's character is, she's, it, it sort of turns out that she wants to be an illustrator. And mm. she said, I used to say to people, I was an illustrator that does a bit of uh, reception work. Um, and then she got to a point where she was saying, now I'm a receptionist that does a bit of illustrating. Yeah. Um, and it's just making sure that you stay in the, that like, I'm an actor but I also do a few other things as well. I'm a writer, but I do other, you know, yes. I'm a comedian, but, you know, and making sure that, you know, that's the forefront of what you are as a person is you are an actor Definitely. or performer, whatever it might be. And and then the other thing is just go to, like, the, like the person, the, the client that came in and thought, oh, I thought you were, I thought you'd gone off acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it, yeah, it's hard to explain. Like Jim says, it's hard to explain that to, yeah. to the, to the, to the general public who, who maybe don't quite understand how it works maybe definitely um and we don't i guess we don't understand how it works when we go in either no and i don't understand what most other people with proper jobs do so uh, no. it goes both ways. <laughs> but do you think like you went to drama school um do you think that's something i mean i don't know what your experience is there was that something that was kind of discussed or do you think that obviously that is something that needs to be discussed with people going forward because obviously you're learning the craft and all that kind of side of it but maybe the industry business side of stuff is maybe not yeah i i don't think it is but equally i think it's that same thing about having that kind of useful (laughs) level of delusion i think they did talk to us about how to i went to the drama center which is quite um rough around the edges quite sort of um bare bones kind of building it's not it's not very grand and I do think they did talk to us about it, but I think it just completely yeah. bounced off me. I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, when I immediately get a job on the Olivier stage after this. So, you know, like, I, I think maybe they tried. I'm sure there could be more that could be done. But but I just, I just don't think people want to hear it, which no. I think is kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way. I think a lot, I think, I guess it's, I don't know, age and experience and getting a bit older and you maybe get more of a kind of perspective for sort of how the industry works or how you work as a yeah. person. Um, it reminds me of university. I did journalism at university and they used to say to us, now, you don't have to as part of the course, but you probably should do your NCTJ prelims, which are like ex- journalism exams. And we were all like, so what, we go, you want us to do extra work that we don't have to do? And they were like, well, yeah, in theory. We were like, well, we're obviously not going to do that. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll be fine, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And then we all yeah. got out of university, five for jobs, and all the jobs were like, so where's your NCTJ prelims? And we were like, oh, fuck, they were right. Yeah. Uh, and then we had to, all, I, had to I actually really lucky got a job on a local paper and they put me through them at the time, but it was, uh-huh. end up doing the work anyway, you know, two years yeah. later. So um, I don't know if it's just a youthful thing. Uh, and that yeah. ties in, I guess, with that sort of... Uh, that sort of healthy delusion, I guess, when you're younger, that you just, you've got to feel invincible and impenetrable yeah. and like you can sort of yeah. do anything. And I actually kind of wish I had a bit of that back now, maybe. Absolutely. I really, I, I, you know, when I've worked recently with people younger than me, and not always younger than me, but mostly younger than me, I'm, and I can, I can feel, and I don't think it's cynicism. I don't, I don't think I'm a cynical person naturally, but I think there's a draw towards cynicism yeah. in the industry. And I, I find it very refreshing and inspiring to kind of see that energy and optimism. And it's a reminder to myself to, to think positively and not just 
assume I'll never work again every time a job ends, yeah. which I do still mm. assume. But um, even though I know eventually I will work again. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, it's definitely a youthful thing. And it's a shame that it dwindles over the years. But um, yeah, just got to check myself over it and not become one of those cantankerous kind yeah. of Yeah, I bitter. worry about... Oh, God, I worry about being that as well, like, in the green room, and I'm like, sort of, oh, the industry isn't what it used to be, which, yeah, is, yeah, like, yeah. Cut, which is kind of true, because I started 10 years ago, so, like, it, it literally isn't what it used to be, but, like, yeah. I, it does, I, I don't want to, uh, it is hard to be like that, and uh, sometimes it does feel like, I think I am a naturally positive person, but I definitely have... Uh, shades of cynicism and, and negativity and i just like sometimes it feels like when i go to do a gig like i it is uh it is energy sapping to be positive like to be yeah. like yeah it's gonna be great when in the back of my mind i'm thinking this audience are terrible <laughs> none <laughs> of the actors want, to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. want to be <laughs> oh god bogner please please be good bogner tonight um <laughs> It's like you can feel the energy sometimes, and you think, "Oh, this is going to be this is going to be a, a struggle." But like, yeah. and, and it's like putting your mask on. It's like putting your your smiling mask on and sort of going out there. And it can be hard sometimes, but I think it is mm. necessary. I think it is Definitely. necessary for us to do that. But yeah, it's just. I guess what I'm saying is, it is just it is difficult sometimes. But but I think in a way, it is all, always rewarding. And I think if I've gone to do a gig and I've been moody the whole time i've nearly always had a sort of bad experience but if i've sort of like forced myself to be positive i've nearly always come out the other side of it feeling good met another act or that kind of thing so yeah yeah that was my point (laughs) sorry what i've done there is i've talked and not ended on a question which is essentially (laughs) not what to do as a podcast host that is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do as a podcast that's why i come in and ask (laughs) a question yeah um Winding back a little bit, was acting something you liked doing from a young age? Was it something that you always really wanted to do? Yeah, it was. Um, I I started when I was about seven. Um, I was really, really shy as a kid. Um, like, literally would cry if somebody looked at me in Sainsbury's. <laughs> like, I'd throw... I, there's a story that my mum tells about getting to the checkout at Sainsbury's and a neighbour was like, oh... I knew you were here because I could hear Florence, you know, four aisles across, just like <laughs> screaming and crying because oh, no. <laughs> someone would look at me. I, ass- you know, this is aged four or something. I assumed they were thinking mean things about me and I wanted to run away. And uh, so I got to about seven and my parents thought, right, let's send her to a Saturday drama club to try and help bring her out of her shell. Um, and it was so, so strange. I went to a, there's this franchise called Stagecoach that do little Saturday morning things. And I went to the, the Cambridge one of those. And I just, I just remember going in and being like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I was just like, great. That's it. That's what, this is what I'm doing. And so I, I, it's mad that I just knew immediately from about the age of seven that, that I wanted to be an actor. And so everything, from that point onwards had been focused towards it. I mean, I did, I did like school. I was fairly decent at school. So I did kind of get the exams and get the A-levels and all of that. Mm. But <laughs> to be fair, my A-levels were in performing arts, theatre studies and <laughs> English. So <laughs> I was kind of, um, yeah, not, not exactly spreading the net with that. Um, but yeah, so it's, 
it's um, mad to think that you can know so young kind of what it is you want to do. And I'm obviously incredibly lucky that I had parents that were just like, great, what a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, you can do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, which not everybody, not everybody gets. Hey everyone, it's JD here again. Uh, just a quick reminder in this little advert break that I'm doing my stand-up solo show three times uh, in three different cities over the next few months and I'd love you to come along if you live near. The show is called Jim Daly Football and Fatherhood and it's a show about football and uh, being a dad. It's not the most imaginative title um, in the world but it, the show is quite Palace heavy um, so plenty of content for Palace fans. And the next performance is on Saturday February the 19th in Leicester as part of the Leicester Comedy Festival at a venue called the LCB Depot at 4.15pm on Saturday the 19th of Feb. Um, so if you li live in Leicester or local to Leicester please do come along. That performance is actually free slash pay what you want um, as part of the festival um, so I'd love you to come along to that. Tickets are available at jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs the next performance after that is in london on thursday the 24th of march at 7 p.m um, at the museum of comedy which is a fantastic venue in central london uh, that one's actually eight quid uh you know london prices although you can get two tickets for 12 quid if you use the discount code cascarino as in tony cascarino all will be explained in the show uh, and again, tickets available at jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs. And then I'm performing it in Brighton on Sunday, the 29th of May at 4.15pm um, at the Caxton Arms, where I also performed the show last year as well. Um, and that one is five quid. Um, and tickets again available at jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs. So if you happen to live anywhere near any of those venues, um, please do come along. It's a very fun, sweet show. Uh, it's got lots of Palace content and uh, I'd love to see you there for a drink afterwards as well. Um, so, yeah, tickets available for any of those shows and all the details um, at jimdailycomedy.com slash gigs. Yeah, it's important to have that support. My, my wife actually teaches for Stagecoach in Amersham, ah. which is next town over from where we mm -hmm. live. Has done it, for a, done it for a while now. And um, we said this on the podcast before that... There's something about putting a, uh, a young person or child into acting class that can really liberate them and really just, even if they're not someone that maybe ends up going into acting or wants yeah. to, there's something about the performing arts that can really open a child's mind or, or, or just the wonders it can do, really, I think is, is, is really important. So, again, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm, realize I'm talking without a question at the end of it. But my, well, my, no, but... Yeah, I, I agree on that. And it's sort of one of the things that makes me furious about all the arts cuts in schools yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sort of like, it's like people aren't doing drama to become actors. People are doing drama and things like that in order to be able to hold themselves, speak in a room, go to an interview and feel on the front foot. It's like the, just the narrow mindedness yeah. of, of the people who are setting the agenda to, to just wipe all of that stuff out so that everybody, you know, maths and science and all of that, that for me, this, like maths and science is not completely useless, but basically completely useless. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, you know, it's, it's not having that, that breadth of thought to, to see all the ways that doing that is useful in a child's development. Yeah. 
makes me very yeah angry. absolutely we, we we've had this um conversation this week because my youngest is 12 he's choosing his options for gcse he's got severe dyslexia so he finds academic work incredibly difficult and he was like i'd quite like to do drama because he quite enjoys it mm. and um the school can now not offer the b-tech performing arts um course which they used to which, which what our eldest son so in within two years they've cut that course um, which is more performance based, whereas the GCSE drama is more reading text yeah. and analysing things, which he can't he can't do without a scribe. So you know, so he's he you know he doesn't he can't do it. So it's, it's really shame. crushing. Yeah. yeah, it's really upsetting because you know our eldest does it. He's painfully shy as well. Like he he's very socially awkward, but he chose to do drama because I think he was aware that he needed to kind yeah. of come out of himself a little bit and he really loves it. And it's just a real shame again, like there is this sort of real um agenda to with STEM subjects um and the creative arts just being abandoned in yeah. in, in our curriculums, which is incredibly sad to see. Um for for, for, for all sorts of children who would need it. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Can he can he do can he do anything else? Are there other, other classes or a stagecoach or something nearby or anything like that oh i'm sure there probably are yeah and it's something that we'll we'll probably look into if if if, if it shows you know that he's keen to do that but yeah it's just just a shame that you know he hasn't got access to that in school you know which is you know the most immediate yeah Yeah. for free yeah yeah. and it's immediate and they've got great drama teachers there and i i know performing would be really although again he, he he's very shy at performing i think would be just great for his confidence, you know, mm. that he could be able to do something that he'd be on. It, what I'm trying to say is it, doing drama to a certain extent, he'd be on a level playing field with everyone. You know, yeah. he's not having to yeah. like have someone helping him with the writing and the reading. Um, yeah. And that's what we, you know, that's what we desperately want as parents. But, mm. and then I'm sure there are people up and down the country that are having similar experiences. Um, yeah. So sorry, it's a little rant there, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's depressing that that's happening. Yeah, you know, and not just in 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 drama. There's lots of other sort of creative subjects that, are, you know, are getting pushed by the wayside. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not not fair. It's not sort of, fair. It's really not, and it's sort of I guess it boils down to confidence, isn't it? Because it can give a child the sort of confidence to believe in themselves a bit more. I guess, but maybe anyone like maybe it should be so we like everyone at some age should do some sort of drama course or some or something. And because yeah. I I. I met my wife in a stand-up comedy course. That's and we both. That's how I got into stand-up. And I'm the only person from that course that's still doing stand-up. And there was maybe a dozen of us or thirteen of us. But most people were using it for public public speaking skills. Or one lady in her job needed to. I think she was taking on a team and she needed more confidence to talk to her team. And so it wasn't just literally doing stand-up. Um, it's an. It's just a confidence thing. And so much in life whether you're being creative or not, comes down to self-confidence and being able to hold yeah. yourself. And this is where the sort of performing arts and creative studies and stuff can really help with that. And it, that benefits everyone, literally everybody. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. then the root of a lot of anxieties and stuff like that is is a lack of confidence. It is for me at times. And I just mm-hmm. think, you know, inject a bit of confidence into people and, and, and we could really sort of anybody or, or anyone could flourish in whatever they do. Yeah, yeah. So Florence, when you out of drama school, were you starting to get jobs while you were there, or did was it after you sort of came out of drama school that you started to do proper work? Yeah, inverted, it was, inverted commas. <laughs> um. it, yeah, it was after um, I I got a job quite. I got a couple of jobs, you know. Looking back, pretty quickly, 
I think I got my first job about nine weeks out of drama school, and I remember thinking wow. in those nine weeks that I piece failed. Piece. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I was like, oh my god, it's been nine oh, weeks, really? oh, and I, I haven't see, got right, a job. Right, right. Okay. No, and now I'm like, I dream of only having a nine week gap <laughs> in my career. But I, I got this nice little job in. Um, an episode of Jonathan Creek, which I'd grown up watching. So I was absolutely made up, but I was so excited about that. And I'm closely followed by a not paid play at the Finborough, which there's time and space for unpaid work, I think, at the start of your career, but you have to, you know, be careful with how much you do for free. Um, So I kind of got a little flurry of jobs the first couple of years out of drama school, I got a really nice flurry of jobs and then went up to, I think I did a whole B, and then I went up to Manchester and did a play. And then I got a really great gig doing uh, the original production of Birdsong in the West End. Oh, amazing, um, yeah. And so, you know, I'm not very good at remembering directors' names, which is a very bad quality <laughs> as an actor. But obviously Trevor Nunn, I'd heard of Trevor Nunn. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just... So that was a moment where I was like great I'm never gonna have to go back to the call center um I think that was maybe two years in to my career or something like that but within all of that I there would be you know I was I was working at the call center a friend's brother was a manager at a at a place that employed a pool of actors to to call up about people that needed uh business to business quotes for like photocopiers and stuff so (laughs) can you remember the script (laughs) luckily there wasn't a script because that's why they that's why they got actors in oh okay so you could improv (laughs) so yeah totally improv (laughs) (laughs) um and um so i'd always be like going back and picking up shifts there in between all of in between all of that and so it, it sort of and also when I left drama school, I looked very young. So I was like playing, you know, 15-year-olds, 6-year-olds, 17-year-olds, which was great. That was sort of like early glory days where I felt, you know, that things were really going in the right direction. Um, and it was a brilliant, brilliant way to start. And then, and then yeah, it's sort of after that, it, those first couple of years, it then started to go into this pattern of, four months without working, six months without working, nine months without working. Mm. Every time I got a job, it was a really lovely job. You know, it was a, it was a, either a really great play or just a really nice episode of something on telly. Like that, I felt like the stuff that I was doing was, was great and was where I wanted to go. But, um, I was surprised by how many gaps there were in my career and then you know and as we were talking about at at the start of our conversation that's fluctuated over the years and Mm. you know of late the last few years I've been a lot busier although I've realized so I'm starting a job in March and I've actually realized that since I've finished my last job and start a new one it will have been eight months but I think so I went away and we had Christmas and then I found out about the job, but then the job didn't start for two months. It sort of mm. felt like it felt like a much yeah. shorter space of time. But actually, between when I last stepped off a set to when I'm about to step back onto one, it will have been eight months. But I still, you know, this still feels like quite a busy time. So it's, mm. yeah, it's been, um, and I think that's very, very typical of most people's yeah. careers. Um, yeah. I would love to be busier. I would absolutely love to be busier, but, um, yeah, kind of, 
it's been an interesting journey and I'm not re- I haven't really been the last play I did was 2018 I mean obviously theatres that's been its own issue in the <laughs> yeah, last couple yeah. of years anyway but I've kind of I have been actively moving away from doing theatre for a few years just because I, I want to be available for the screen work um, yeah Although actually, if somebody were to offer me a partner play now, I'd absolutely take it because it would be just, it's just great. It's just, it is my true love. Um, but you know, I've been, there's only so long you can, you can survive on a theatre wage when you're trying to think about starting a life and a family and, and all of that. So, um, so yeah, I'm kind of, I've, I've got kind of a focus and a goal at the moment, but, um, I don't know how one goes about achieving that goal. Just, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, manifesto or something. Um, yeah, but, I you think know, you have to put it out into the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's yeah. the thing to say. Yeah, put it out into the universe, which, you know, <laughs> winds me up when people say that. I'm like, oh, so for the first 10 years of my career, I wasn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be yeah. successful. <laughs> All I needed to do was think, I really want this, and then I'll get it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just ha- just having you know, sticking to my guns about the type of stuff I want to... Because if I audition for it and I get it, I'll do it. I'd never say no to something. So it's more about turning down an audition in the first place because you sort of go, yeah. this isn't... This this doesn't feel right. This is this is taking me off my path at the moment. Because, yeah, there's no way I'd, I'd turn down an offer of any work. <laughs> I would just... I would absolutely do it. Um, you know, when people non-actors sort of say to me what sort of acting do you do I just always say whatever they'll give me yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's just yeah, the truth whatever I can yeah. get <laughs> whatever, whatever I can get I'll do it <laughs> whatever it's not complete crap but even then, <laughs> even yeah. then you know I, I, good, if the money's like, good <laughs> exactly a massive blockbuster movie absolutely crap script yeah I'll do it if, if the price is right <laughs> I was going to say to you what what is it like going back on set when you've had a break from being on set is it do you have to kind of I don't know because obviously each set's different Mm. but do you have to kind of get into a headspace again because obviously if you've been away from it yeah definitely there's there's definitely a moment where you sort of feel like you don't know if you can walk and talk at the same time and (laughs) Mm. and suddenly you you're not sure you can remember what all the terms are that people are shouting around (laughs) you Yeah. yeah and then you're like oh yeah I've got to I think I think the two of the, the things I find hardest about um, working on a set about screen work, which I do absolutely love, but um, one of them is shooting out of order. So unlike mm. with a play, you start at the beginning of the story and you work your way through to the end. Yeah. You're jumping all over the place. Um, so being able to arrive at each scene, having embodied, you know, the place you were in the scene before, even though you haven't shot it yet, but you look at it and go, okay, yeah. I think I was running or I was sad or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that, that takes a while to get back. And then the other thing is just how close you have to look. The fact that when you're, when it turns around onto you and you've got your close up and it's your big moment, you're usually looking at like the, the camera operator's elbow or something and your co-star is like hovering just above them trying to give you an eye line and yes. it's actually more distracting than so like you know you t- 
the fact they say, you know, they think bring it all down with with screen work, and it's all in the flicker of an eyelid. You're like, I'm literally looking <laughs> at a focus puller, or I'm looking at yeah. a shoe, or yeah. um, I, ha- I had to do a scene. I did a horror movie years ago, and in it, my boyfriend gets killed, and I'm and then cut to me like looking, and I'm tied to a chair, and I'm like sobbing. But I had to like look at his knee while I did it because otherwise <laughs> the eyeline looked up, looked weird. And so just getting back into that, oh yeah, okay, I've really got to learn strangely how to kind of act by myself at certain points, you know. Um, that's always very weird to get back into that. Um, a quite, you know, quite satisfying when you watch something back and, and you know that you were looking at someone's elbow, but actually yeah. it looks quite convincing. I was yeah. like, oh, I kind of <laughs> got away with that. That's, that was all right. <laughs> I, 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 I love that. I love finding out the sort of like behind the scene bits of, of how that works. And yeah. it reminds me, my wife and I both do ad, of advert casting because... Um, that's how a lot of, actually a lot of how comedians make money actually it's not a lot of money in comedy mm-hmm. but if you can get a few adverts then it can help but yeah we if we have to read in for each other because i'm six foot and my wife is five seven i think i i can't look at her in the if she's reading in for me and she's behind the ring light i can't look her in the eye because i'll be just like this and like, i won't you won't <laughs> my face won't be she's not that much honestly, shorter, is she? honestly i did i did one <laughs> this week and yeah i was literally sort of like that and so i completely i completely wrong couldn't see my face at all so we have to yeah i have to look at something yeah up above or the corner of the room or something because yeah, it's yeah. all about eyeline and framing making sure you can see your face and you're not profile or whatever so absolutely um, yeah i, I got into that. a very just before christmas my partner who's also an actor had just a string of auditions which was great you know all self-tapes and I was really busy doing all life and all of that so it got to the point where I'd get in from a really long day and then I'd lie with his sides I'd lie just on the bed about a mile away from where he was doing the tape and I'd just read in from there and he'd just look at a spot on the wall I was just like this is all I can give you but actually we know how to do it exactly, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You, I was like you've got this don't yeah. worry I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, drink this glass of wine quietly <laughs> over here while I read in for you The problem thing with self-tapes is they make the decision in the first three seconds of looking at you anyway, to be honest. So yeah. it's, you, don't, you don't have to be giving. I'm the opposite because when I'm, I'm doing a reading for my wife, I'm secretly thinking, if I can nail these other lines, they might think, who's that guy behind the camera? <laughs> we should probably get him yeah, in he's for good. a casting, actually. Yeah. He's really he's good. He's really yeah. going for this yeah. other. That's, that's the same as the fantasy that you go in, you know, back in the days where you actually went into a room with someone to do an audition, that, like, you reach the door and they go, Wait! <laughs> You've got the job. And they're like, yes! yeah. yeah. Which never, ever happens, no. but we always hope will. Exactly. It's normally uh, after about a two second awkward break of them going, Well, thanks for coming in, Jim. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know. And you think, I'm never hearing yeah. from that casting director yeah. ever again yeah. in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that is. Uh, that is uh, that is the way it, that is the way it goes. Um, I did I did have a question, but I've forgotten it because I was talking about myself doing self tapes. Um, so come back to me in a second. We'll come back to you. Yeah, I just a question about I can't remember. Charles, come back to me. Very professional. Um, no, no, but that's really interesting. Like the 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 the, 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 the kind of craft of um, stage and screen being so different and. 
is there one you prefer to? I mean, you said you like have a love for 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 being in the theatre and and theatre yeah. work. And uh, is that that's some clearly something that you want to do more of in the future? I I think up until the last couple of years, I was harbouring this anxiety about the fact that I didn't really enjoy working on a set, and I. I felt so, I do, I feel so comfortable on stage. I can, I can really be on there and be so present and so in the moment. Um, and it never felt like that. And, and I think it's because the jobs that I was doing, I'd, I'd be going in for an episode of something. So you'd go in, everybody would know yeah. each other. Yeah. You know, there's no rehearsal, as everybody knows. There's, and, and I would usually feel like just at the point that I was relaxing, it, I was done and it was time to go home. Um, and I've quietly found that quite stressful and I'd watch back all the stuff I'd done on screen and just think, oh, that's crap. Like, I mean, obviously I don't watch back the stuff I do on stage, so maybe I'd think I was crap if I watched that, but, but I think you, you know when you're in free flow and you know when, um, you're in the moment. But then I think my two recent sort of biggest gigs, I suppose, is these, um, Netflix Christmas films, which are really lovely called The Princess Switch, which are just kind of silly and fun. And, you know, so they've been very successful, am I right? Mm, yeah, yeah. They've, they've been <laughs> really like insanely yeah, yeah. successful. Um, mm. And so the fact that I was on set, you know, I had uh, I was in the f- the film throughout, so I got really comfortable there. And then the following year, went back and did another one. So already, I know the character, I know the other actors, a lot of the same crew. I felt like I had some sort of currency, I suppose. There, I wasn't just like oh my god, I fluked it, I'm here and I'm just going to get fired, probably. Um, I kind of felt like, well, hey, you can't fire me because I was in the room before, so I'm here. Um, <laughs> and then, so I really got in the swing of that and then I kind of just really fortunately bounced straight from that into doing Queens of Mystery where mm. I, you know, sort of, it's an ensemble show, but sort of like one of, you know, leading role. And... And then I was just suddenly in the flow of it. And then, and I think it's the first time really in the last couple of years that I've been able to be really, truly in the moment, at ease, properly present um, through a shoot. So now, so now I don't think I have a preference. Whereas before, if you'd asked me that a couple of years ago, I would have said theatre, 100%. Mm. I mean, nothing beats a rehearsal process for theatre. It's so much fun. It's such a laugh. And it doesn't matter what you do, and no one's watching except you know the other people in the room, and that feels like truly the most creative space I, I feel like in in our industry. So, well, I guess it's in the name, isn't it? Play, yeah, yeah. That's what you, and that's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There was a time that um, oh no, I thought it was a really famous theatre company, Max Stafford Clark's Theatre Company. What were they called? Uh, anyway, a friend of mine was doing the show, and obviously theatre has no money, and they needed to raise funds so they were selling tickets for people to come and watch the rehearsal process oh Oh, i'd love that to be honest oh my god i was i'm like they were supposed to be quiet but i met my friend for lunch she was like yeah they're not (laughs) she was like think "Think about the kind of people that would buy a ticket to watch they've all Mm. they've all got an opinion so suddenly you're getting notes from just like people off the street when like maybe it's the first time you've even tried doing the scene and I was just like no no this has to stop this that this cannot um yeah this cannot continue so I mean thankfully I've never been in that position but I was just like if this is 
the way theatre's going, it's going to be the death of it. But luckily yeah. it didn't mm. it didn't catch on, I oh. don't think. I, I, I'd like that. I'd like to see that process, but I don't think I could ever... Um, I'm not... I have any acting abilities or anything or, or directing or anything like that the idea of actually giving notes to, to professional actors unbelievable would be, I, would, I just don't feel like i would but i guess some people have like you say maybe it was other actors and stuff who were like ah oh, i could have done that part no it wasn't um, other actors it wasn't other actors I wasn't. no <laughs> just, <laughs> critics. Just, just i don't know who they were yeah just people with opinions <laughs> there's a lot of them around there's, there's a, a lot, lot of them around <laughs> yeah unfortunately in my line of work uh, those people with opinions are the paying audience and they will give you their notes <laughs> directly they, yeah, they after <laughs> everything you say yes. live criticisms yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully yeah. you can tell them to piss off as that is part of the job as yes. well um, not yeah, that I yeah. do that I'm not that kind of comedian but uh, yeah you thankfully it's a uh, sort of part of the job um i'm glad you mentioned i thought the question i was going to ask by the way but what you said previously was Great. way more interesting than what i was going to ask i've just abandoned that question um <laughs> the, i'm glad you mentioned princess switch because uh my wife and i love those movies uh we are huge well my wife was always been really into like hallmark christmas movies and so yeah. got me into those and these these are netflix versions basically of sort of hallmarky sort yeah. of style movies aren't they and they're just I was talking about this on the previous episode, Giles, wasn't I? Big enough yeah, yeah, Hallmark movies. Yeah, you've talked about them a couple yeah, yeah, of times. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real... <laughs> it's like, you know, I just think they're brilliant because... They're, it's not even a guilty pleasure anymore. No, it's just a pleasure. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an obsession. It's a straight-up pleasure. Um, <laughs> there's a real... They're movies that don't take themselves too seriously. And I think mm-hmm. that is 100% needed, not just around Christmas time, because I think you just need, you need to have fun around Christmas. But I think in general at the moment, in life, we need movies Definitely. that I think are fun. And it's, and it's nice to hear that it's a fun experience to be on set as well in that because clearly it comes through in the performances so that's really nice to hear yeah yeah I think uh, I think that's it like the the Princess Switch movies they know what they are yeah they and it's like you take you know that cliche you take the work seriously but you don't take yourself seriously like we want to make something good but you know if you're if you're on there trying to sort of pretend that you're in an episode of succession yeah. you're gonna <laughs> you're not serving you're not serving the job you're not serving your role or the work so yeah. you know you've got to and it's the same with with queens of mystery as well um it's a sort of detective series on acorn tv that i do that's very very quirky and again you've got to know what show you're in and you've got to yeah. be in that show and and you're allowed to have fun but you know you really are allowed to have fun when you work and to think uh, certain jobs would definitely call for a more straight-faced approach. Yeah. But if you can arse around between takes, I just think you should. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you can do that, because because then you bond and it injects energy into the scene mm. and it, you know, you, uh, you know, as you don't have the rehearsal process, that's your time to get to know the other yeah. people that you're working with. And and so much good comes from that process. They're because um, they're almost movies where like the, the actors. There's almost like a little wink to camera, like we know yeah. this is fun. This is a fun movie. You're enjoying it. We're enjoying yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. But have you seen Definitely. there are like people on Reddit and stuff who like because they all they all live in the same world, don't they? As sort of other yeah. other Netflix movies and like oh, is this the one where it's like a different um, like a sort of Eastern yeah, European? Yeah, so it's all like Aldovia and Cordovia, yeah, yeah. and they're all like made up sort <laughs> yeah, of places. Montanaro and, and, and everyone's yeah, yeah. got basically Belgravia. yeah, exactly yeah, and everyone's got basically <laughs> sort of a British accent basically. And there's people on Reddit who have like tried to like map out in the world where they are. I think this one's yeah, kind of like yeah. North 
northern Germany, maybe, or this one's like over here in Europe, and this is how the Cordovia links to Belgravia. So it's just so it's just it's brilliant. It's a lot of fun. It's complete. It's it's uh yeah. It's very very much escapism. I think. Yeah, there's a. I don't know how serious. I mean, certainly I've not seen anything concrete, but. There is an ambition from some of the producers who are across a number of those films to do like an Avengers Assemble esque <laughs> Christmas oh. universe. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Which I am so here for. I would love that. Because <laughs> now and then they drop it in. Now and then they'll, you'll, they'll drop in like a reference to one of the previous ones. Or, exactly. Or there'll there'll be a, a map. There'll be a map of something and you'll be like, oh, yeah, here's yeah. the other country. Or, yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a, like a, a big old, yeah, a big old crossover yeah. would be, uh, yeah, would be, uh, oh man, I'd be so up for that. That'd be fantastic. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> That's actually made me very excited for net for 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 just future future Christmases. Christmases to come. Yeah, no. indeed. Oh, that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. Well, I'm, hey, I'm glad you're a fan. And I've always said there's two ways to enjoy Princess Switch. And that one is with beautiful sincerity and one is with drunken irony. And <laughs> so you can pick Either whichever way, one you want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, good. it's funny you were saying about getting to know cast members and stuff. And sometimes it's a bit difficult, I guess. But also it's something that's come up on the pod before uh, about, you know, obviously you make these kind of very intense connections with people but then it's all very transient because obviously you move on to the next set of people that yeah. you're going to work with how do you find that like because I, I guess you do make close relationships with people but then you can't always you know stay in touch and you know you probably well you know you're like oh we will stay in touch but then it you know it doesn't happen is it do, yeah. do you mind that kind of transient kind of life no, to it no i i mind it less now i think um I think most people find it a bit of a weird process getting used to it. Mm. Like I definitely will, I would say with each job I do, if I'm, you know, if I'm on the job for a while, like a a play or, or, or a long TV gig, I would say I usually make one friend that sticks around. Like, but then, you know, you bump into each other all the time, or Mm. if you don't, you see each other two years later or, in fact, on Queens of Mystery, I worked with somebody that I'd worked with in 2013, and and it was just lovely. Um, you know, it is a very small world, so you do bump into each other. But I've kind of, I'm quite good at staying in touch with people. I find it quite easy, not necessarily always like meeting up, but just like checking in, either a phone call or a few texts. And I definitely have now developed a once I've realised that perhaps I've been initiating the messages or the do you want to meet ups <laughs> yeah. a bit too much, not in a, like, in a bit of I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sort of park that, see if they get in touch with me because, yeah, you there definitely was a point a few years out where you start to take it a bit personally that people haven't got back to you or that you're putting in all the effort. And actually, I have now been, I know that I've now been that person to other people where I'm like, mm. ah, crap, I actually haven't, this is the fourth message exchange in a row that they've initiated. I'm, you know, so I understand it more now. Um, and, but it doesn't stop me kind of like giving my everything to those friendships and relationships in the mm-hmm. moment. I think, you know, you can, you can still get, in, you get very close very quickly and it's brilliant, but yeah, definitely just letting it, letting it fizzle out naturally feels okay now I don't mind it and Mm. you know there aren't 
enough hours in the day to see all the other friends yeah. and family and get everything done and and all of that so actually it would be impossible to stay in touch with everybody um so yeah i kind of i'm kind of at peace with that now um i think <laughs> <laughs> it's something i thought it's something i struggle with actually um that um not you know not that obviously i don't have the same experiences with regards to um working with a cast or anything but yeah certainly yeah i i you know you like you say people coming in and out of your life sometimes and it's just being okay with that process yeah. i guess um and i've yeah i've always been the one that's been like oh i've sent them 25 minutes <laughs> <laughs> um and then thinking i probably should stop messaging them. Uh, <laughs> you know but i yeah well, i guess it's maybe just the way i'm made up maybe but yeah it's but yeah, but getting to getting over that kind of thing a little bit is um it can be quite tricky sometimes yeah Definitely. But I have, you know, I've made some incredible friends and actually Ricky Norwood, who I play, I'm in a little double act with in Princess Switch. Just as soon as we met each other, we were just like, yes, I like you. We're, and, mm. you know, I know with him that we've made, we're, you know, we've made a very good bond, really. He sort of feels like a brother sister kind of relationship. We're just, yeah. we're, you know, that job was very important for both of us for various different reasons, the time in our lives that it came along and, and all of that. So, so that, you know, and that's amazing to have made one new friend like that in your sort of early thirties to have sort of gone, Oh wow, this is a proper keeper. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's a real, yeah. that's a real privilege to be able to, still be making new friends um which is the you know the beauty of our jobs we sort of it's not that we're going into work and seeing the same 10 faces every day for 30 years you know yeah, yeah. it's we're kind of spoiled in that respect i think mm. that's a really nice way of looking at life in general that you know you're never too old to make new friends if <laughs> actually i used to be obsessed with the movie don't you guys oh that's a, that's a meme there somewhere <laughs> no it's not it's <laughs> not a meme that's something. like on like a sort of um a starry night background that's hung up on a wall that's one of those like mo yeah, motivational yeah, yeah. sort of things yeah yeah I used to be obsessed with a movie called I Love You Man. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called Paul Rudd and Jason Segel. It's a yeah, very yeah, well, sort Paul, of like... Paul, Rudd, Paul yeah. Rudd's brilliant. It's a very sort of like stats formulate. It's very fun. It's a very fun movie. But that's about a guy like making friends in his 30s. And actually, I've like... I... Uh, the town we live in, I wasn't, I didn't grow up here, so I don't know many people from it. But I've started to make a few dad friends because my daughter is now mm -hmm. going to like nursery and like football class. And I actually... Uh, got the courage to ask another dad at football class for his number the other day and i felt like i felt like i was dating honestly i felt like i was yeah it was so how did you approach that well he uh i don't know if you listen i don't did know if you, you do listen, it like but... kind of stealthy like no oh, well it'd be good to exchange numbers because uh you know i'm you're ever late or i'm ever late i, no, well, yeah, I think pretended like you needed to borrow something <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah <laughs> Well, it turns out he, he's actually a Crystal Palace fan, like me, and, and we're not, we don't, we live in Buckinghamshire, so not Palace territory. So we've bonded over being Palace fans, and our daughters get on really well at the class as well, which is nice. But I think I said something like, "Oh, we went, to, we went to soft play with one of my other friends last week. Maybe we should go to soft play after the, after this class or something." And um, 
But he, but let's go have a coffee. Yeah, but I was like building up. It took me weeks to build up the courage to like to like. Oh, it's just it's a weird. So I think I think like blokes are bad at it anyway, and I think dads in particular mm. are probably sort of quite feel really awkward. I think about sort of asking, and there's a lot of dads in this group. And I don't know if any of them are mates and stuff, but I feel like there's a lot of dads. And there's that sort of like awkward tension where we all want to be mates. We yeah. all get on really well. We yeah, would, yeah, yeah. All would love to go to the pub together and like do whatever or take our kids to soft play. But it, there's like yeah. an unspoken <laughs> thing. You, you've got to be that guy though, because this is oh. another thing that I've realised. Like in term, like there's always got to be somebody, particularly like if you're doing a play, there's always got to be somebody that goes drink yeah. at the end of the show, yeah. because everybody wants to go for a drink, <laughs> yeah. but people are like nobody wants to sort of be the one that's dragging people against their will. But as soon as there's one person, then everybody goes, yeah, 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 no, no, I want to, I want to. Yeah. So, and there've been a couple of times which surprised probably me the most where I've like oh I think I'm the person in this company that's got to go drink because I normally rely on somebody else to do it so you've just got to take yeah, that role on I might have you've got to. to be the guy yeah I might have to yeah pub lads pub <laughs> yeah shall we pub because <laughs> people are going to say yes and they'll be like Jim it's 10 yes. o'clock on a Saturday morning and we've all got kids no <laughs> oh shall we stop recording oh, so no no the the so sorry about that. My it crashed for some reason, um, and I, I so I, I came back in, and it, but obviously I, you didn't miss me. <laughs> we I, just carried on talking about like, yeah, yeah. Just the awkwardness. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, yeah. yeah, there were for a bit. Apologies for that. I don't know what happened. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry. But no, you're right. That there does often have to be someone to do that. But I think we all we all want to make friends. Like, and I think we all. Never, never, and you never, yeah, friends, and yeah. I think like we all deep down we want to make connections, don't we? especially if we're doing a shared experience or mm-hmm. a shared job that we obviously sort of care yeah. about. Or, or, we're, or we've all taken our kids to football on Saturday morning because we all like football and we want our kids to get into football. So we're all, we're all in a similar sort of space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is nice when you do meet someone and you realise you're on the same page and then you both want to be friends. It's just it, it's, it's a weird like childlike sort of situation yes. in your thirties. <laughs> Uh, Definitely, and it's it's still nice and rewarding. And I, like, this, this 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 dad's such a such a nice guy. Like, I'm just really pleased that like he wants to be mates and stuff. And it's just um, yeah, yeah. It's does he listen to the podcast? I have no idea. I've no idea. So that's why I'm not <laughs> saying his name just in case he does. But um, he's the loveliest guy. And his his daughter. He's now thinking, oh, has he been hanging around with some other dads? <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I haven't. I don't really know any dads around here. I would like to get get to know some more. But all the ones I've met have been really nice, actually, which is which is which is quite encouraging. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's just something beautiful about finding like-minded people, isn't it? There, there's there's something just wonderful about connecting with another person and. I think you do know often quite early doors if you're going to be friends with someone. Yeah. I think that's quite a, you know, like, you, like again, like having a having a relationship with someone, it, it can be sometimes, it can be quite immediate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's awkward to like <laughs> make it happen sometimes, but <laughs> life is awkward, you know, it's just, what life can I say? Awkward, yeah. That's just, yeah. Do, do one thing every day that scares you. And so that was yours. That was exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then tonight is just gigging Bogner. So we'll we'll yeah. see how that goes as well. So many, so many um, phrases we could like. Life is awkward. Uh, you <laughs> never too old to make friends. Yeah. This is all for your merchandise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, this is. There's so many t-shirts. <laughs> we, we, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go Florence Hall on the blank podcast what an interesting chat 
some great insight there into the uh, the working life of an actor, especially with the, the, having the second job. I think that's really mm. empowering, actually, to hear that. Great insight into the Princess Switch series, which obviously ticks a lot of boxes for me. Um, and just a lovely person as well, very easy to talk to. So uh, just another fantastic episode on the Blank Podcast. Yeah, I, we've said it before. I love hearing about the kind of, the way that uh, film works, like like yeah. set, set work, you know, like the idea of, having to look at someone's elbow to get the eye line yeah. right and stuff. That really intrigues me, the fact. And, and actually goes a lot to say how great performers are when they can really nail that, because it's not easy yeah. to do that. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't mention it on the pod, but I was thinking about people that, like, I was thinking, like, the big Marvel movies and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Yeah. Lots of green screen. Um, yes. And you might be, like, kind of talking to a, you know, I know they've seen, like, people like a stick with a tennis ball <laughs> yeah, on the top yeah, yeah. that must be really hard to do you know you're trying yeah. to really emote in those moments and i think that i've fair play to actors that can really turn it on in those moments it must be really hard to do that i guess it's all part of the training and sort of like being in the moment and embodying the character mm. and then so you're you're, you're yeah I, I can't really do it i'm not a very good actor but um you're absolutely right i think it's a it's a hell of a skill to do that and especially as far as if you're coming in there's no rehearsal whereas when you're doing mm. theater there's rehearsal so you're getting time to sort of get into the character but if you're coming onto set and you've sort of got to get into it then it is a real skill mm. and it's all about eye light. there's so many tricks tricks of the camera tricks in editing a lot of you know a lot of that is is where the magic happens and then of course you've got to act on top of it as well so it's um yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting on, yeah it was great anyway it was, it was a fantastic chat and she's really lovely so yeah and um yeah really pleased that she came on the pod absolutely thank you very much florence for, for joining us um if you've enjoyed this episode um or you're a patron and you want to tell us you've enjoyed the patron extras um you can tweet us as we said in part one facebook us or instagram us and our handle is the same for all three it is at blank pod uh indeed uh and we'd love to hear from you wouldn't we Giles? We, you know i think we should, we'll concentrate on instagram maybe more in the next few weeks because we seem to be getting some nice pardon me some nice messages there yeah if you don't already follow us on instagram please come and follow us on instagram yeah, please do. We, I think it'd be a nice place for us to build up our, yeah. build up our following. So, yeah, join us on Instagram, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll interact more on there. Maybe that's our mission for the next next few months. We'll, we'll build up our Instagram. We'll concentrate on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll become Instagram influencers, and then you know we'll be on oh. flying to Dubai in no time. We'll be invited to the next fire festival. It's a niche reference. No, good reference. I enjoyed it. Or maybe we'll be invited to start the next fire festival. Exactly. We'll be be in charge of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. That would Uh, be interesting. Wouldn't be very good, but it'd be very interesting. Um, Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening. We've been a delight to be in your company again. Yes, thank you very much indeed. Um, We hope you have a, a safe week, a happy week, whatever you're doing, whatever you do in your life. Whatever you do for your relaxation moments, whether it's chiropractor videos or pimple popping mm. uh, or puzzles, let us know at Blank Pods. Let us know what you do in those downtime. Maybe mm. we can start. We can start a little feature. We've never had a feature on this. Yeah, that would have like be a, a downtime feature, and we could find out yeah. what people do. What and maybe we could open it up. We, yeah, what's, the yeah. Things. What's the weirdest thing? And actually, we could open it up. Maybe to like. Uh, People can find a way to send us voice memos. We could get, this, tell us look, what this. Do. do you know what this sounds like? A Patreon feature here. Yeah, yeah, patrons. We'll get mm. yeah, patron feature. What's your weirdest downtime pastime? Yeah, that would be really, really good to do. Yeah, and remember, kids, you're never too old to make friends. Absolutely true. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Goodbye. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.